Picture this. You are seeing Tito in your family medicine clinic. He is a 65-year-old man who has been having intermittent fevers and worsening fatigue for one month. He says he just doesn't feel right. He travels often for work to Southeast Asia and wonders if he contracted malaria. The tests were negative. Physical exams notable for blood pressure 152 over 96 millimeters of mercury, previously 128 over 59, weak dorsiflexion of his right foot, and a rash of small circular red dots on his chest and arms. Lab work reveals elevated serum creatinine concentration and a normal urinalysis. What is the most likely diagnosis? How would you confirm this with testing? And what will you tell Tito? Welcome to Audiobricks. I'm Laurel Toft, bringing vasculitis from our bricks to your ears. After completing this brick, you will be able to 1. List the different types of vasculitis, explaining how they are categorized by vessel size and primary versus secondary cause. 2. Describe the clinical presentations of large vessel, medium vessel, and small vessel vasculitides by organ system. 3. Explain testing approaches to differentiate the types of vasculitis. And 4. Outline the general treatments of vasculitis. Part 1. What is vasculitis? Vasculitis characterizes a group of rheumatic diseases with the common feature of vascular damage caused by inflammation. Pathologic activation of the immune system targets the patient's own vasculature. This damage can lead to a variety of clinical presentations and end organ damage. Most of the vasculitides are idiopathic, meaning we are idiots and we don't know what caused it, or they can be autoimmune mediated. Vascular damage can lead to thickening of both large and small vessel walls, causing stenosis or narrowing of the lumen. The organs most commonly affected by vasculitis are the kidney, skin, and lungs, followed by cardiovascular, neurologic, and gastrointestinal or GI organs. So basically all of them, all of the organs. Many types of vasculitis also present with systemic symptoms, such as fever, general weakness, and joint and muscle pain. Vasculitis can be classified by the size of the vessel affected and by whether the disease is idiopathic or occurs because of an underlying systemic disease. Just a heads up, the naming scheme for vasculitides changed recently, so you'll come across some diseases with two names. The newer name is mechanism-focused, whereas the older name came from the doctors who first described it, but many of them were unethical dudes, so we changed things so students would stop memorizing their names except you'll still hear those historic names thrown around. First, let's look at the characterization by vessel size. No shockers here, we use three groups, large vessel, medium vessel, and small vessel. Very Goldilocks and the three bears. Large vessel vasculitides affect the aorta and its large branches. Specific types are giant cell arteritis, GCA, and Takayasu arteritis. Medium vessel vasculitides involve the smaller arteries and arterioles. Diseases classified under this group include polyarteritis nodosa, or PAN, and Kawasaki disease. Small vessel vasculitides affect the capillaries, the small arterioles, and the venous system. They can be grouped into the following. The anti-neutrophil cytoplasmic antibody, or ANCA-positive vasculitides. These include microscopic polyarteritis, MPA, 
granulomatosis with polyarteritis, GPA, which is formerly known as Wegener granulomatosis, and eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyarteritis, eGPA, formerly known as Churg-Strauss syndrome. And the other group is immune complex-mediated vasculitides. These include immunoglobulin A, IgA vasculitis, formerly known as Henoch-Schonlein purpura, and antiglomerular basement membrane or anti-GBM disease, formerly known as Goodpasture syndrome. We can also classify vasculitides by the underlying cause when there is one. Most vasculitides are idiopathic, meaning they arise without an underlying precipitating cause or underlying disease, but several rheumatologic diseases can cause secondary vasculitis. Systemic lupus erythematosus, or SLE, is a connective tissue disorder characterized by autoantibodies causing damage to multiple organs. Up to 40% of these patients have vasculitis. Antiphospholipid antibody syndrome caused by autoantibodies leads to inflammation and end-organ damage associated with thrombotic events. Rheumatoid arthritis, or RA, primarily causes joint destruction, although skin and vasculature can be involved in more severe cases. And systemic sclerosis, SSC, involves thickening of the skin and fibrosing of vasculature and organs. In addition, some vasculitides may be secondary to infectious diseases, such as HIV, hepatitis B, or, as we found out after 2020, COVID-19. How will you recognize that a patient's vasculitis is from a secondary disease? Well, look for the clues for that condition, such as esophageal disorders in systemic sclerosis or morning joint stiffness in multiple joints in rheumatoid arthritis. These patients might also have specific serum immunologic markers like anti-citrullinated protein, anti-CCP in RA, or anti-double-stranded DNA, anti-DSDNA in lupus, which can help you distinguish them from primary vasculitides. A finding that can be common to all of these secondary causes of vasculitis is Raynaud phenomena, a vascular reaction of pain and ischemia in the digits. Raynaud syndrome is a vascular condition characterized by discoloration of the distal hands or feet caused by vasospasm, often brought on by stress, cold, or endogenous triggers. The sudden onset of ischemia, then cyanosis, and then reactive hyperemia leads to the classic three-phase discoloration of the fingers or toes, white, blue, and red. Raynaud can occur either as a primary disorder or secondary to systemic diseases like vasculitis, or drugs, or trauma, like frostbite or repetitive injury. Part 2. How do the different vasculitides present in various organ systems? One thing that makes vasculitis tricky to learn is that it can have diverse symptoms, and patients may present initially only with the nonspecific symptom like fever, weight loss, or weakness. We'll go through each organ system to show how each type of vasculitis, from large to small, can affect it, or not. Strap in, this is going to be dense. Let's start with systemic symptoms. Systemic presentations of vasculitis include fever, diffuse lymphadenopathy, weight loss, and fatigue. The large vessel vasculitides can both present in this manner. GCA may also present with headaches. The medium vessel vasculitis Kawasaki disease presents with a high fever, over 102.2 Fahrenheit, which is over 39 degrees Celsius, that persists for at least five days. PAN may present with fever, chills, malaise, weight loss, arthralgias, myalgias, and abdominal pain. Many of the small vessel vasculitides present with nonspecific symptoms, such as fever, malaise, anorexia, weight loss, myalgias, and arthralgias. 
So yeah, that really helped narrow down the diagnosis, right? Let's get more specific with the renal system. Renal manifestations of vasculitis include glomerulonephritis, a decline in the glomerular filtration rate, the GFR, and renovascular hypertension. The large vessel vasculitis Takayasu arteritis commonly involves the renal arteries, resulting in renovascular hypertension. Renal artery involvement is uncommon in GCA. For medium vessel vasculitides, PAN causes inflammation of the medium vessels of the kidney, leading to vessel occlusion and aneurysms. This can lead to secondary hypertension or decreased GFR, but the urinalysis usually does not show hematuria. Hematuria, however, is common with small vessel vasculitis. Inflammation of the small vessels of the kidneys presents as glomerulonephritis with hematuria and variable proteinuria. Patients may have the full nephritic syndrome, including hematuria, red blood cell casts, mild proteinuria, edema, and or hypertension. Both GPA and MPA can present with a severe form of glomerulonephritis called rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis with acute kidney injury, hematuria, and glomerular crescents on renal biopsy. Next up, the pulmonary system. Pulmonary symptoms are common in small vessel vasculitis, often appearing alongside renal disease and causing the so-called pulmonary renal syndromes. Typically, no lung involvement is seen in large vessel vasculitis. For medium vessel vasculitis, PAN does not affect the lungs, which is an exception to its very diffuse multi-system involvement. You can remember that PAN, PAN, means everything or everywhere. So PAN has involvement pretty much everywhere except the lungs. Many small vessel vasculitides can present with pulmonary symptoms. GPA and MPA can present with alveolar hemorrhage caused by bleeding from lung capillaries, leading to dyspnea and hemoptysis. The lungs are also commonly affected in eGPA, initially with asthma-like wheezing. Pulmonary renal syndromes occur when vasculitis or autoimmune disease affect both lungs and kidneys. Vasculitic causes include GPA, eGPA, and MPA. Non-vasculitic inflammatory or autoimmune causes include anti-GBM disease and lupus, which may present with pleuritis and diffuse proliferative glomerulonephritis. Now, on to eyes, nose, and throat. Vasculitis may cause inflammation of the mucosa of the head, neck, and sinuses. Typically, no involvement is seen in large vessel vasculitis. In the medium vessel vasculitis Kawasaki disease, patients may present with non-exudative conjunctivitis, glossitis called, quote, strawberry tongue, due to the swollen appearance of the tongue with the taste buds looking just like the dents on a strawberry surface. The mouth and throat mucositis can also be part of Kawasaki disease, as can cervical lymphadenopathy. Bilateral non-exudative conjunctival infection with perilimbal sparing may affect the eyes. For small vessel vasculitis, eGPA patients usually have allergic rhinitis, which can also be accompanied by sinusitis or nasal polyps. In GPA, upper respiratory tract disease is the most common overall finding. This can include nasal, sinus, and oral inflammation, upper respiratory tract infections, purulent or bloody nasal discharge, and oral ulcers. And now for my favorite system, cardiovascular. Cardiovascular manifestations can range from peripheral arterial symptoms, such as weakened pulse or claudication, to pathology affecting the heart directly. The hallmark of the large vessel vasculitis Takayasu arteritis is inflammation and occlusion of large vessels, such as the aorta and its primary branches. 
This may cause vascular insufficiency and weak peripheral pulses, especially in the upper extremities, and limb pain called claudication. On physical exam, a marked difference in systolic blood pressure between the upper and lower extremities may be present, as well as osculatory bruits in the subclavian arteries or the aorta. The medium vessel vasculitis Kawasaki disease is the most common cause of acquired heart disease in children in the United States. It can lead to coronary artery vasculitis and aneurysms, leading to arterial thrombosis, myocardial infarction, and potentially death. PAN, as described previously, causes renal vascular hypertension. For small vessel vasculitis, EGPA can cause pericarditis, coronary arteritis, myocarditis, and heart failure. Most of these small vessel disorders also cause hypertension because of the associated glomerulonephritis. All right, let's take a break and see if you got all of that. Question. Why does Takayasu arteritis cause pulse abnormalities? Takayasu arteritis can lead to occlusion of large vessels such as the aorta and its primary branches because of the inflammation of vessel walls. This can lead to abnormalities in the palpable pulse. On to the GI system. GI involvement is most commonly seen in small vessel vasculitides. Large vessel Takayasu arteritis may present with mesenteric artery disease and symptoms of mesenteric ischemia like postprandial abdominal pain. The medium vessel vasculitis PAN can be associated with postprandial abdominal pain as well. For small vessel vasculitides, colicky abdominal pain is a very common finding in IgA vasculitis, which can also lead to nausea and vomiting or sometimes severe GI manifestations such as intussusception or GI bleeding. EGPA can present with GI bleeding and gut wall infarction, ulcerations, and perforations. It can also cause peritonitis. Skin lesions are common in all types of vasculitis except GCA. Large vessel Takayasu arteritis can manifest with erythema nodosum and urticaria. Rashes are common in all types of medium and small vessel vasculitides. Common findings are a maculopapular rash, as well as purpura, petechiae, and levito reticularis. The following characteristics can help us distinguish between these three similar dermatologic findings. Purpura is a type of hematoma and includes palpable and non-palpable forms. The skin lesions are red or purple and can occur on the skin or mucous membranes. Petechiae are small, less than 3 millimeter hematomas in the spectrum of non-palpable purpura. Lesions are small, red or purple, and pinhead shaped. Levito reticularis is characterized by obstructions of blood flow in regular or irregular lacy patterns on the extremities and the trunk. All right, now for neurologic complications, which range from potentially fatal to peripheral neuropathies and numbness. The large vessel vasculitis GCA primarily affects temporal, vertebral, and ophthalmic arteries. This can cause pain and soreness in the head and neck area, as well as headaches, jaw claudication, and transient vision loss. A serious long-term complication of GCA is permanent vision loss, most often caused by anterior ischemic optic neuropathy, which leads to infarction of the optic nerve. Takayasu arteritis can lead to subclavian steel syndrome, in which inflammation-mediated narrowing of the subclavian artery causes retrograde blood flow from the vertebral artery. The reduced flow of blood to the brain can lead to symptoms such as syncope or dizziness. The medium vessel vasculitis PAN can cause peripheral neurologic symptoms such as mononeuritis multiplex, leading to foot drop and loss of reflexes, as well as peripheral nerve numbness or tingling. 
When cerebral arteries or feeder vessels are affected, PAN can cause stroke or seizure. The small vessel diseases MPA, GPA, and EGPA can cause tingling sensations in the extremities and loss of peripheral sensation. Phew, that was a brainful. Pause here to see if you can make a table summarizing the manifestations by organ system for large, medium, and small vessel vasculitides. Good luck. I'll be here when you come back. Part 3. How do we diagnose vasculitis? Vasculitis diagnosis is confirmed by biopsy of an involved region, but an integrated approach using history, physical exam, blood testing, and sometimes imaging will be helpful in most cases and support the decision to biopsy when the diagnosis is uncertain. When trying to narrow in on the type of vasculitis, look for some of these clues. If the patient is a child, consider Kawasaki disease or IgA vasculitis. If the patient is an older adult and has headaches or jaw pain, consider GCA. If the patient has a history of hepatitis B, consider PAN. If the patient has developed a pulmonary renal syndrome, consider EGPA, GPA, and MPA. Most patients with vasculitis will have elevated serum inflammatory markers, such as the erythrocyte sedimentation rate, the ESR, or C-reactive protein, CRP. In PAN and GCA, this will usually be the only abnormal blood test. The complete blood count will show eosinophilia in eGPA, but this is nonspecific. Antibody levels of IgE will be high in 75% of patients with eGPA, and titers to IgA will be elevated in 30-40% to 40% of patients with IgA vasculitis. But again, both of these are nonspecific findings that can be seen in many other conditions. So what are some more specific serum markers? Antineutrophil cytoplasmic antibodies, or ANCAs, are important serologic markers for vasculitis and are elevated in many cases of small vessel vasculitis. The two relevant subtypes of ANCA are perinuclear ANCAs, or P-ANCAs, which are associated with antimyeloperoxidase, anti-MPO antibodies. P-ANCA is elevated in MPA, PAN, and EGPA, and some non-vasculitis conditions such as lupus and ulcerative colitis. Cytoplasmic ANCAs, or C-ANCAs, are associated with antiproteinase 3, anti-PR3 antibodies. This test is more specific and is elevated primarily in GPA. Even so, biopsy of skin or kidneys is needed to confirm the diagnosis. All right, quiz time. A positive C-ANCA test suggests which diagnosis? GCA will show a positive C-ANCA test. CT angiography is particularly useful for diagnosing PAN, where vascular imaging will show multiple aneurysms in hepatic or renal arteries. If seen in the right clinical setting, this imaging may allow a diagnosis of PAN without biopsy. Part 4. How do we treat vasculitis? Treatment of vasculitis uses drugs that target the underlying inflammation. Supportive treatment may include analgesia and general anti-inflammatory medications such as non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs, although not in the setting of decreased kidney function. Corticosteroids such as prednisone are a common treatment that can be used for all forms of vasculitis. Intravenous immunoglobulin is used to treat Kawasaki disease. Immunosuppressive agents such as cyclophosphamide, rituximab, and azathioprine can be used in more severe cases of vasculitis. 
they are commonly administered to treat small vessel vasculitis. Specific treatments for vasculitis are being developed for a number of subtypes. For example, the interleukin-5 blocking agent mepiluzumab can be used for the treatment of eGPA. This agent blocks recruitment of eosinophils, which is key to the pathophysiology of this condition. All right, and that's it for vasculitis. Let's check your knowledge and see what you've learned today. First, can you list the different types of vasculitis by vessel size? Vasculitis covers a group of diseases characterized by vascular damage caused by inflammation of the vessel wall. Vasculitides are grouped into large vessel, medium vessel, and small vessel vasculitis. What are four secondary causes of vasculitis? Vasculitis can be classified as primary, idiopathic, or secondary to disorders such as lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, systemic sclerosis, and infections like HIV, COVID-19, or hepatitis. Which two organ systems are characteristically affected in small vessel vasculitides? Renal and pulmonary disease is particularly characteristic of small vessel vasculitis. What are three skin manifestations of small and medium vessel vasculitis? Common skin lesions seen in small and medium vessel vasculitis include purpura and petechiae and levito reticularis. What is the characteristic cardiovascular manifestation of Kawasaki disease? Kawasaki disease can lead to coronary artery aneurysms and thrombosis, leading to myocardial infarctions in children. What are two subtypes of ANCA and which vasculitides are they associated with? ANCA has two important subtypes that can help differentiate the type of vasculitis, perinuclear ANCA, or P-ANCA, and cytoplasmic ANCA, or C-ANCA. P-ANCA can be elevated in MPA, PAN, and EGPA, as well as other non-vasculitis disorders. C-ANCA is specific for GPA. What is the confirmatory test to diagnose vasculitis? Biopsy of an affected tissue is usually performed to confirm this diagnosis. And finally, what are three classes of medications used to treat vasculitis? The treatment of vasculitis targets the underlying immunologic processes using corticosteroids, immunosuppressive agents, and supportive treatment with analgesics and non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And we're done. Armed with your newfound knowledge on vasculitis, let's think back to our patient from the beginning of this episode. Tito is coming to you after thinking he may have malaria due to malaise, fatigue, and fevers, but now presents with new onset hypertension, a rash, foot drop, and increased creatinine. What is the most likely diagnosis, and how would you test for it? Fevers and fatigue are very nonspecific patient symptoms, but Tito's physical findings give some clues, as do his preliminary lab test results. 
He has evidence of a multi-system disease with skin, purpura, neurologic, foot drop, and renal findings, hypertension, and increased serum creatinine. This pattern is suggestive of a medium vessel vasculitis, specifically PAN, which can involve nearly any organ system except the lungs. PAN has no specific serum studies that are diagnostic, but inflammatory markers such as C-reactive protein will be elevated. Other treatable disease should be ruled out by checking an anti-nuclear antibody for SLE and ANCA for small vessel vasculitis. A skin biopsy is usually combined with angiography of an involved organ, such as renal angiography, to make this diagnosis. You order these tests for Tito, and the results are consistent with PAN. You prescribe the corticosteroid prednisone to suppress the immune response, the ACE inhibitor enalapril to control his blood pressure, and refer him to rheumatology. And that's it for our show. If you liked it, give us a thumbs up or a comment. Until next time.